live welcome sahil welcome to the engineering unplugged podcast let me quickly introduce sahil sahil is from nit trichy he then went on to work at gs he realized he wants to uh, do something in finance and did his masters from iim calcutta worked at merrill lynch and bank of america for uh, some time and realized that trading is not what he wants to do and since then he has been a hacker now uh, he has founded multiple companies and since last 7 years he is building gmetry which is a startup in uh, the web3 uh, metaverse space you want to talk about that more sahil sure sure bhavan thanks for the kind intro so yeah uh, gmetry is a no code metaverse toolkit that allows anyone to you know using a drag and drop editor create their own metaverses these these metaverses can be for any use case that you can think of it can be for e-commerce it can be for uh, employee interactivity it it can be for training your employees on on certain aspects right so yeah any metaverse that you can think of you can build on geometry without having to code at all so that that is geometry i'll just give a, a very quick uh, intro of geometry by just sharing my screen quickly yeah please don't skip this demo this demo of 2 and 1/2 minutes is crucial to understand the technical context of the conversation in the rest of the podcast we talk about various software and infrastructure problems faced by geometry during the demo try and visualize the backend system that is going to serve this metaverse in a browser this is geometry uh, what you see on the screen right now this, this is a 3d space where you can walk around i'm just going to third person mode right and uh, yeah these are the three main um, use cases that enterprises are using geometry for currently employee xp experience metaverse digital twins and e-commerce metaverse and what uh, geometry essentially gives you is the ability to create an interactive experience like this where uh, where you can have simple rules where uh, you can say stuff like when i come near a person let him invite me or you can create ai brains for for certain metaverse characters where uh, you can feed them a knowledge base and they essentially act like act like a chatbot when you come near them so uh, geometry platform in a nutshell is basically three things it allows you to create metaverse experiences in a few minutes it allows you to publish them and deploy them on the web using a simple url kind of like wordpress or canva and uh, it also gives you out of the box analytics right and coming over here you will see a few of the experiences that are live with our customers right now so here you see an experience where uh, this company uses it for employee onboarding you choose your own buddy and you are taken uh, through all of the leaders in the company and they tell you about the th- kind of stuff that they work on here you have a digital twin metaverse where uh a life factory uh, is connected with its iot devices here you have uh, a training simulation where you are brought inside a factory and you learn how to create certain drugs certain chemicals uh this is basically a kind of a pavilion where employees are introduced to various uh, parts of a company uh, the various departments of a company and essentially the whole idea of a metaverse experience is its self exploration so you are in a space and you can go by your own pace slowly slowly and you can go as deep as you want in whatever topic as you want so it's a really nice thing for a company to have where you know you have one space as as the starting point and you keep on building deeper and deeper and deeper as time goes by so yeah that's the advantage of geometry and all of this is built in, a, in an editor like this where you just uh, come in create a project drag and drop stuff and write the rules around it all no code all single click publishing So yeah that was a really really quick intro of uh, geometry um over to you um, awesome so in one line this is a no code low code solution yeah 
to build your own metaverse and you can um, i assume you can create assets uh into it and uh, you can upload videos and you can um you, as you said you can build the rooms and then add uh, navigability uh, yeah. how does the tech look like let's dive one level deeper so uh, can you give a quick intro to how the architecture looks like and uh, what are some of the very very sticky tech problems that you have attacked in the past uh, sticky tech, pro- tech problems it's a long list so yeah <laughs> first let's go through the architecture so uh, it's a simple architecture uh, front end back end front end is managed mostly by this library called 3js and we have built a lot of stuff on top of 3js to be able to uh, you know build really quickly uh, back end is mostly uh, node.js uh, with a bit, with a bit of python here and there but uh, mostly node.js and we try to stick to typescript as much as possible because you know when you're maintaining such a huge code base you need strict types uh, having yeah. the freedom of javascript can work against you for for large projects so uh, even the almost all of our front end is typescript back end too is all typescript and uh, where we need need a python it is python yeah so that's the architecture mostly and for deployment we use docker and uh, kubernetes where do you store stuff uh, all of these assets yeah so that's a pretty interesting question so <laughs> when we started out we were storing it in s3 right but s3 has its own inherent problems where you know um, we had given a nice ui to our customers to be able to uh, look at the listings in s3 but it turns out s3 api calls take 300 milliseconds or 500 milliseconds so it's like working on a really old laptop you click on something you wait for some time have patience then it opens then you again click on something you have patience so that really didn't work so we had to build our own backend for it uh that was a pretty tough call at the time for the business because our business was just taking off we had customers with us but uh we had to solve this problem because we knew ki if if you know if we have to survive for the next couple of years we need a really fast api api we we need a really fast uh, ui for people to be able to create this stuff and we had projects with thousands of assets in a single scene like people keep adding images people keep adding audios people keep adding videos so at what scale did this break down um yeah. did s3 stop working for you so s3 the list api of s3 works well with 10 objects the moment you hit 100 you start seeing the the slowdown you you start feeling something is wrong because you cl- you click on a folder and then you wait you wait for around a second for the api call to come back because you're not talking to s3 directly you are talking to it via our server so the call comes to us we talk to s3 we, we get back and we do it so we ended up we finally to solve this problem we ended up creating our own virtual file system so we reduce the number of calls to s3 drastically the only thing that we do with s3 is store stuff and get stuff that's it the file system is all virtual the file system is is all fantasy on a postgres database that's it so move operations cut paste operations all of them are like a single millisecond operation so it became instantaneous so it had a huge benefit but it had a huge cost also it it had a huge temporary cost like uh, we had to stop our normal way of working we had to solve Yeah. we have to say okay all of these other tech problems bad man leave leave it let's focus on this singular problem and solve it for now because we know ki eventually we will reap enough benefit from it we will save enough time for for uh, from it to make sense out of it and this was i think 5 to 6 years back so definitely it has made sense and we did a search we it, it is not like we want to build stuff blindly so we are very very careful about the stuff we build we do not we really do not want to build stuff which is out there for free in the open source world yeah Never, right 
because if it's there in open source they have probably spent a lot more time they have spent a lot more sweat on it than than you would ever do right so it's always good to use stuff in the open source world this was one specific instance of a problem which did not occur in the open source world there was no solution for it so we built it from scratch we took 3 3 months out and then we implemented it so s3 was good at storage but it was not good at the file system operations yeah. uh, which is listing files moving files etc uh, etc et and the whole file table you basically extracted out of like s3 was not responsible for it and your own vfs layer was responsible for it so this was what a simple like relational database it's a simple it's a simple relational database right but the thing is if you're creating something like a file system it better be extremely robust extremely robust any single mistake you do there it mm-hmm. to bite you in the back debugging it will be a nightmare so so we built it extremely carefully we built it layers on layers on layers on top of layer we took our time building it it wasn't a very rushed thing that we be okay we need to do it in a week no it, it was not that can can you take an example time. like what kind of robustness can you can you take an example of where it would not be robust if you didn't build it like what kind of edge cases so, yeah so the edge cases are things like uh, let's say you have a folder with 1 lakh files right does the cut paste operation take 1 millisecond or because it has 1 lakh files does it take 1 second right yeah uh, big of n or uh, yeah. less than that so we had to make sure that every single operation is either order of 1 or order of n you cannot go beyond that okay right and it it was more of a mental math we did not have the time to you know write a test case to ensure that with our robustness at that level sorry we did not do that huh. but yeah we read through the whole code base probably five times and we read and before writing the code base we we hammered our brains on the architecture diagram like five to 10 times before even writing a single piece of code so yeah it was a well thought of product uh, and but what was- what gave you the confidence that this is going to work did you do some load test like did you actually run it with a case with 1 lakh or maybe a million files nothing or not really it it was just review at the design level like we knew we knew the stuff that is fast we knew that uh, we knew nodejs is okay we know that uh, it is not as fast as python yes we know nodejs has its limitations but yeah we know that if you make a call to a server you're supposed to get back the response in like 10 milliseconds it should not take more than that hmm. right and that is instantaneous for the human eye matlab we are happy with 10 milliseconds and therefore the amount of stuff that nodejs does you probably have just to one or two milliseconds for it you cannot spend more time than that so our restriction was everything that we do should happen within a millisecond or two millisecond at best right and it has to be order of n or order of 1 so that it never reaches 10 milliseconds for example or 20 milliseconds that was our benchmark whatever you do has to be within one or two milliseconds so we just went through the uh, whole code base again and again made sure ki every single operation that we could possibly perform on a file system everything is extremely simple right on the database right and we also made sure ki the data it was postgres so kitna a billion rows we we are, we are good till then right so yeah very easily we are yet so we'll we'll think about that later how difficult was it to actually figure out that os3 oh, is really the limitation and we have to build something custom as you said you took 3 months to build it and it was significant bandwidth uh, consumption that went into building the solution so uh, how did you like how did that decision making go uh, can you talk about that uh, was it just you who decided uh, so it all started out with with the tech team obviously so we built the product we were happy with it fine yes we have a ui where you can see your files yes yeah. you can drop your files it uploads we were so happy with it right and we shipped it and we told our clients use it everyone was 
happy with it for around 3 to 4 months then that is when customers start expecting more right yeah yeah if folder move is taking a long time yeah this is taking a long time right and we know yeah of course it takes time you know it's s3 you are sending so many operations so s3 it will take time so for us we didn't care about our time as as a typical tech team and then slowly we realized nahi everyone expects more and then we started taking more and more because more and more complaints started pouring in right, right. at a point it became so bad that uh, even we felt that on the larger projects even our internal team weren't able to you know work work on the editor because it had thousands of files and the moment you have thousands of files the ui literally just hangs you double click you wait again you double click and wait and that 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 was a point we realized that if we need to make this a global platform we expect every school to use this we we ex- we expect every company to use this internally this cannot be the ui for them it is it is just impossible we have to solve it so and it was fairly obvious that the problem is s3 s3 is great for storage it is meant for storage it is not meant for a file system yeah they didn't build s3 for this solution we were just reusing it for it like a shortcut right it was our fault for using s3 like that we did a lot of search online ki is there a way to prevent 3 months of work or 6 months of work trying to solve this because you don't want to be wasting resources in a startup our time yeah. was extremely precious unfortunately we i think we searched for a good 2 weeks to 1 month unfortunately we didn't we did not we did not find anything we talked to a lot of people also and none of them had hit the problem like us we were expected ki acha if i drag and drop an image to ho jayega we were also expected ki if the image is let's say 4000 pixels into 8000 pixels mm-hmm. our platform should be able to handle it the thing is if you open that image on chrome your chrome would crash today oh even today it would crash yeah i'll i'll give you a large image your your chrome uh, you will run out of video memory buffer and your chrome will crash right there is a limitation to the asset size that our browsers can open which makes sense because you know all the pixels go to go to a graphic card graphic card has limited amount of memory so uh, we we were also expected that uh, all of these assets would be downsized so we needed a really robust system mm-hmm. where we had a really good idea of what assets are there in a project everyone had the architecture in mind this is what we all learn in computer science right we learn trees yeah. we file systems so the answer is fairly obvious but actually building it and making sure it works and works in a robust way and doesn't fail that that was a real challenge here and i think uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, once the whole team understood the architecture right once everyone was on board with the architecture and understood why we are writing these layers what were the problems that could have occurred if we skip a layer right once everyone understood that the code base for it was surprisingly simple it is literally some i don't know 10 files or something 10 large files but that was it we have built a lot of stuff on top of it like when you upload something we run migrations on it making sure we have a low res image we have a high res image when you upload a video you can do stuff with it you can do video processing you can do audio processing we have we do a lot of stuff now so we are able to build a lot of pipelines because of that uh, virtual file system because we know what is there in our system earlier it was we used to ask s3 hey what is there in this folder can you tell me right and uh-huh. so your short term pain right but long term it definitely yields a lot of benefit i also assume that you didn't have any uh, monitoring on uh, that how long is it taking to move a folder uh, yeah maybe weighted by its size and then you build the vfs yeah now do you have monitoring or uh, like it's not worth it because now the solution is obviously so so fast yeah. that it's not worth monitoring yeah. so now let's say you are moving a folder from one place to another it is one integer change one column change so the amount of time it takes for us to do that is is one update query in postgres 
yeah. where ID is something. So we know that ID is always indexed. So all of our operations are on ID. So it has to be order open. It it has now now we are depending on the C plus plus code that the guys in Postgres have written. Right. We are <laughs> and did the did the latency problems just completely go away? Uh, the customers who were complaining about the folder move करने में uh, you know yeah. time लग रहा है. Did it completely get resolved? Yeah. So this specific instance, yes, latency problems are something that stick with you if you have a global platform. You cannot get rid of it. Unfortunately, but yeah, in this instance, it completely solved. So one thing that no one can overcome, whether you are Google or Microsoft or whatever, is the speed of light. So if you are sitting in US and you have data in India, it will take three hundred milliseconds. You cannot make it faster than that. You can make it, I think, till two hundred milliseconds with a better fiber optic cable, but that is the limit. So yeah, that is a latency problem we still deal with. When we started out, right, uh, we had a lot of customers in India. We mm-hmm. obviously wanted to grow our US base. We had success. We had initial success there. But very soon we hit up hit upon a problem where everyone started complaining. Yeah, your experiences load really slow. Okay, and this was a complaint only from US, not from India, hmm. right? And one problem we definitely faced was okay, how do we replicate it? ठीक है. We figured out okay, this is a problem happening from US. Uh, probably VPN is the solution. Let's use VPN and try to figure out what's really happening. Hmm. Pretty soon, very soon, within a day, we realized okay, problem is latency. There are a lot of calls that happen between India and US. and uh, we really can't do much to you know uh, make it faster than this unless we think of a rearchitecture there were a lot of times we pushed this problem under the rug because we never had the resources or the time to even think about it when i think around 6 months down the line when from the time that it was first reported it became very serious and the other co-founder usuf right uh, he he is the one who talks to most of the clients he said nahi now is the time we take out time and we fix this we really need to think of a solution uh, you will find a lot of databases and uh, for example even redis claiming that they have solved the problem you will find and no matter how many ctos you talk to right all of them have a different approach to this so th- there is no clear cut answer to this problem so what i realize is the problem has to be geometry specific the the solution has to be geometry specific i will not be able to copy someone our for example our operations are asset heavy unfortunately right we need hmm. we Make a use of lot of CDNs. Uh, our code runs mostly on the browser, right? So we need to make sure our code reaches the browser as soon as possible. So it 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 kicks off and it seems that it is fast. So a lot of the architectural dif- decisions and geometry as a VR platform were different from anything else that we have seen out there. Out there, I actually talked to one of the CTOs of Wipro. I talked to one of the CTOs of uh, TCS. I talked to a lot of people before before deciding what to do here. I talked to Alugu also, by the way, <laughs> Alugu and our whole internal Delta group, trying to see what what other people have done. Before. Yeah. The solution that mostly people employ is kind of like sharding, right? And teaching your code base that if the call is from US, do this. But if the call is from India, do that. The problems that I found with this solution was, you need a large team to support it. It so we were a team of four to five developers at the time. everyone was extremely burdened with a lot of other tasks so the problem with that solution is the whole team needs to be in on it right it wasn't something you could do in two or three weeks time so out uh then uh, if if you couldn't do sharding then the other solution is caching right now with caching even if you have local caching right uh, generally the the cache solution that i got was people do everything on cache like the storage is also cache everything is redis right oh. it's kind of having two different databases in two different regions with two different code bases our problem was 
look we are going to have metaverses where there are two people from china two people from india and two people from australia conversing with each other okay and one guy from us we cannot have completely separate instances there needs to be one common source of truth this was a problem not many other companies were faced with so we needed one commonality so we cannot escape the fact that there will be one master redis or one master postgres some some place where the single source of truth will be there right and that was a huge problem that we had to work around so the final solution that we came up with was a mix and match of everything that we learned from others we have a local cache we have a central cache right and we have mechanisms to make sure that a lot of communication happens in it too so everyone feels it fast but the but the actual data updation in the central cache happens after a bit of delay let's say one second but no one gets to know that hmm. right so everyone feels it fast now everyone feels it loads really fast because so for loading we have extremely aggressive caching at the edge uh, kubernetes clusters and uh, for communication we have uh, a different kind of caching with the central layer so for, for for different problems in geometry we have to come up with very different forms of caching and uh, this was finally a solution we were able to implement in 2 to 3 weeks right all of the other the other solutions that we heard unfortunately required a very big rewrite and we we never have the time or the money to spend uh, spend on that nor will we have right and even if we had done that we wouldn't have been able to manage it properly there would be just too many bugs and just too many issues with it so we said okay we'll come up with a compromise just write one layer that caches extremely aggressively locally and does a look ahead later basically first serve the customer and then see hey was there any update if there's an update okay mm-hmm. fine update the local cache fine and that was a compromise that we were able to live with because not too many updates happen so if an editor edits a project once a week yeah probably a lack views that are supposed to happen with that one edit so the views are a lot more than the edit so we are we are okay with those compromises so we the compromises that you take for your solution has to be very specific to your platform mm-hmm. right so especially latency so that is one problem that i found that there is no good solution out there what were some of the other uh, sticky problems that you ran into where you have taken unconventional uh, decisions so geometry is a story of all unconventional decisions one of the things that we started out with uh, definitely was um, initially when we started out for a long time we were bootstrap we didn't have any money we were running on fumes almost zero salary as founders and our initial employees were very supportive so yeah things were okay we, we were just going through and uh, luckily we had money coming in from customers but again we had to be extremely con- conservative theek our biggest cost at that time was just hosting our services on something like either aws or google the cost constraints were what drove us to things like kubernetes because that allows you to really be efficient with the number of cores you have bought from google or the number of cores that you have bought from aws and we would keep reusing the cores which are not used in with other docker containers right yes so a lot of our solutions were based on economy what we realized was uh, we were spending a lot of money on things like our chat platform our git our docker our file hosting services like dropbox it turned out that the bill for all of these things was coming to around 1000 or 2000 dollars per month like that that is a lot a really a lot for us at that time hmm. so so we said okay we we had uh, at that time not now by the way i was a big proponent of let's have desktops okay desktops are fast they're cheap and you know you can upgrade them and uh, it's easy to buy graphic cards for desktop and we are a graphic card heavy company obviously the the metaverse so yeah. let's put a desktop route this was 2017 so so we did have a lot of desktops 
and very soon we reach the point where I'm where, where I'm look, looking in the office. I'm looking at here. Okay, so we have these three desktops not being used, and I'm giving this much money to Google or AWS for hosting my chat service or hosting my Git service. Yes. Why? Not done. This is just not done. All of my everyone is in the office, and we are paying them. And at the same time, we had a company to run. This this was all my personal fantasy. But yeah, uh, we had a company to run, so we couldn't spend too much time on on these things also. Right. But one particular usage we had was we needed a Kubernetes cluster to test our code. You need a Kubernetes cluster. One Kubernetes cluster costs, uh, I think the cheapest one you can buy is 50,000 rupees per month. It's just, it's not cheap, right? We did a little bit of search online and we, and we found a solution called Rancher. Rancher, hmm. kya it allows you to uh, create a Kubernetes clusters on, on bare metal. So we connected all of them, add a router. And very soon we had a Kubernetes cluster on, on the three desktops computers which are there. Our code was running on it beautifully. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And probably 10 times faster than what we had on AWS. Mm-hmm. Because AWS gives you virtual cores. These were actual cores. These were like dedicated to you. This is as fast as it gets. Yeah. And you were very happy with it. That took us down. So that, that, that was just a trigger. And that took us down a journey where we said, okay, yeah, this is a really good solution. <laughs> a lot of money like this. <laughs> so again, we did, did a bit of research online. We mixed a few blogs here and there. Did a few uh, YouTube video searches. Then... Uh, uh, turned out there was a company called Server Basket that that gives you secondhand servers. Okay, these are secondhand servers with like 128 cores, 256 cores, humongous number of cores for one lakh, two lakh. Okay, so we bought one of those machines. Wow. Yeah. That's like super cheap. Exactly. It looks cheap, right? But that is the actual price. That is what we are paying for <laughs> to AWS. Yeah. That's how they are paying their employees, right? Mm. <laughs> so. These these are servers which are discarded by AWS or Google. That's why they are they are this cheap. They bought it for ten lakh and now they are selling it for two lakh, right? Mm-hmm. But they are working fine. Just that they went on to the next generation. For us, for it's it's more than enough. We took those servers, we installed uh, the free version of Proxmox on it that allows you to do virtualization and all. Yes. And we ran our Git, Docker, Chat. Uh, and so Excel. everything is everything is self hosted now. Everything, everything you can think of, we moved there. In a matter of like one or two weeks. And it's running in our office. So our cost came down drastically. The service quality went up. So, so service quality was a mixed bag. Because internet connectivity was an issue. But but the speeds that we were getting were phenomenal. Just phenomenal. So right? was this just your office workflows and uh, you know staging uh, etc. That was on your uh, you know personal cluster, or was your production also moved to your personal cluster? Uh, so we we never have the had the heart or the courage to move production <laughs> to personal cluster, and okay. and you can't because uh, a you lot can't. of the customers ask you okay, where is it hosted? Are there enough security measures and all yeah. uh, around it? So we had to stick with a proper production workflow. Yeah, it was mostly on GCP or AWS at at the time. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, for our personal stuff, for our testing stuff, for internal chat, things that don't matter so much, mm. that we moved to our own server. And we were like, yeah, this is really good. And we never imagined things could be so fast. We are used to slow services from whenever we self-host online, right? Yeah. So this was light speed. This was really good. And then because we had so much free computing power, we were like, okay, why not give every developer a personal VM? So that's what we did. So every development geometry has a personal VM of around 8 to 16 cores, mm-hmm. some 32 GB RAM that is dedicated to him. Do what you want, right? So all of our development, because so geometry at once, if you run, it requires some 16 different repos to be running at the same time, right? Okay. 
if you're not running everything if you're running the cut down version is 16 repos with with different parts of services because it's kind of a microservices architecture there is one cool. cut down using uh, cut down version is 16 repos cut down this is without the ai bit we have we have another few repos for ai now okay so but yeah it's more or less established we have a script that starts everything it's fine the the only problem is it it requires some uh, some ram right yeah. if you run it on your laptop it cannot be run on a 8 gb laptop you probably need a 16 gb laptop to run it that, that that was the limitation that we have this limitation went away because everyone has their own personal vm with 32 gb of ram for free we just use vs code ssh everything runs there and everyone is happy right so these were just some of the side benefits you were getting for free now everyone could run their own personal instance of geometry as sai yes karo in watch mode i'm talking about watch mode not not <laughs> <laughs> so, so just curious where was the cost in terms of docker and uh, github like github is free docker you can just host in public yeah, uh, yeah. docker so where was the cost so docker the 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 decision to move docker in in that server was not cost docker isn't costly uh, the the storage that aws provides for docker is is cheap i think yeah it's like CR, yeah, right? super cheap elastic container uh, something ecr uh, elastic container registry registry yeah we could use that but the thing is our builds obviously when we have a server we move our build system there right hmm we have so much cpu bare computing power obviously if i run it on aws or google i will get charged a bomb now i have put what 16 cores go build right and it's instantaneous almost our builds hmm. so uh oh so because your builds are local yes and if your it's dockers were then you would enter bandwidth now is local so even if i am downloading a 500 mb docker image it's, it's like super fast because in the same network these yeah. vms are brothers and sisters of each other running on the same cpu right communication ho gaya internet there's no network involved ho gaya done docker <laughs> docker downloaded build done final push also happens here right and our production server gets our images from here and that's it and now of course we we have matured the whole system a lot now we have three servers it's no longer running in our office it's in a data center next gen data center where uh, kind of out of bangalore but yeah it's with proper power backup it's a very resilient system now we have three servers for backup of each other and we get the cost benefits out of it like like crazy um, probably we are saving we are spending one fifth of what we would have spent had we uh, hosted it outside so you get the cost benefit over the long term and you get the speed benefits instantaneously and there's something i think when we had started off everyone was against us ki kya karo why are you wasting time on this hmm we did waste time i agree it is not a zero zero effort thing yeah. i agree there are a lot of learnings around the way we did a lot of stuff that is not there out on the internet we had to patch a lot of things discover a lot of things read a lot of guides on our own and then figure out how to do it but yeah when i say we it was mostly me who was spending time on it so the rest of the team was not impacted by it but yeah i think it was a one time effort that we had put and now i don't even look at it like i don't remember doing anything on it over the last 3 to 4 years it's just on auto mode it it's running hmm. right there's not much to do like i i i'm probably spending one day in a month or half a day in a month to look after it right whenever there are upgrades or anything like that right and that's about it and the benefits we are getting economically are huge right so everyone was against it ki why 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 use your own servers who does that hmm. everyone has forgotten that is how the computing world started yes right that is what you are paying for in the cloud the cloud is what it's server this is not cloud it's server you are cutting down the vm yourself so yeah okay. 
and it's such a big illusion right that once you move to cloud you know everything is going to be cheap but it's cheap only when you are at super low scale if you are a single developer doing something silly the moment you hit a little bit of real scale uh, the costs yeah, are yeah. the costs are astronomical yeah so yeah our kubernetes costs right now are huge the, for me the ability to host a kubernetes ser- server for literally no cost is is a is a big benefit so where is this data center hosted is this like some managed space uh, where you can rent on yeah. uh, rack and uh, yeah. so it's a it's a proper proper data center now uh, that we are hosting it in we use the service called nextgen nextgen okay. is a company i think owned by intel and uh, a lot i think flipkart has a complete not maybe not complete but but a lot of the hosting on nextgen servers hmm. they're a proper company with a, with a huge data center like uh, it's on the top of a hill so even if it floods it, it doesn't you know <laughs> the data center is not under water wow multiple power backups it is a i don't know probably half a kilometer across half a kilometer huge area cut into multiple uh, server racks with crazy amount of security so a lot of production servers uh, run there for a lot of serious companies for a lot of banks and uh, what we are renting from them is just power and internet hmm uh and space pay them for and space and rack space right it's it's our own servers what was running in our office we just shifted there and done don't you have issues of the hardware failures like hard disks fail all the time uh the servers which are used ones which you have bought from uh, you know first party uh, will also fail at some point so what has been the experience on in that space yeah so uh for us we have been running 8 multiplied by 3 we have been running 24 ssds most of them of 1 terabyte or 2 terabyte i think we have one ssd of 4 terabyte till date first the hand first, are these first hand i assume so first hand ssds are first hand okay we we didn't even we didn't even go for those enterprise ssds which are three times the cost sorry we just bought it on amazon our ssds they work fine hmm. okay not the 860 qvo we went for the evo that is meant for enterprise use enterprise issues not meant for rack servers but we are still using it it's fine <laughs> late only one ssd has failed theek hai over the last 6 years theek hai and what what we have done is uh a critical services uh run on a zfs because yeah. it's a zfs i have a margin of error of uh, 2 ssds right okay so even if one fails i have time to go to the data center and change it and does the service uh, do it for you uh, where you can just ship by ssd to them they also do it but t- till date i haven't faced that situation jo fail hua tha i just moved my vms out of there and just done i it just sitting dead there, there. sitting there probably when i go there next i'll do it it's there in my to do list okay so, see ssd failures are not that common hard disk fails i agree yes ssds don't fail that much and the thing is oh yeah one more learning i don't know why people when you buy a server people say do you want this hard disk with it why don't use hard disk just just switch to ssds it's the same cost nowadays right ssds failure rate is close to none very very low failure rate so just switch mm-hmm. to ssds and you are good and the, and the speeds are phenomenal matlab uh, the parallel vms that run on our ssd we run around per ssd we are okay with 5 to 6 vms active vms of developers developing on it with watch mode on right it's it's hard work on the ssd it works fine yeah and of course i mean your builds are going to be faster because your work is also very very data heavy uh, disk heavy uh, in terms of assets etc 
So uh, SSDs like pay off uh, a big dividend there. It's it's not even pay off. It is it's the same cause as hard disk. It's a no brainer not his. Hmm. There is no reason left for servers to use hard disk. It is probably legacy reason which remain. I mean, it can't be a free lunch, right? What I'm trying to understand is that sure, like you saved on the cloud costs because uh, you set it up and you tasted blood the first time it worked, and then you know now you are uh, doing everything on your uh, you know personal uh, data center, self-hosted data center. Um, but there must be some challenges. Um, like how about software upgrades? How about uh, you know those patches, yeah. uh, OS upgrades? Uh, th- there must be some thorny side to it, which is not. Like, I'm sure it's net so, positive, but what are some of the bad sides to it? So you need someone who is extremely good at remote management of servers. With you know, so the 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 way I simplified my whole workflow was using things like Ansible, Terraform, mm-hmm. and so on. So now mm-hmm. the reason I spend so less time on it because everything is Terraform, right? Uh, right. I just have a Terraform script that goes through every server that I have running. If there are any upgrades, I control it through Terraform and Ansible. So I, I try not to touch the servers myself. And because of these first principles, right, of making sure whatever I do is repeatable, right? Uh, I actually agonize a lot in the in the beginning, trying to make sure I never do something manually on a server. And it is agony. And I, I go through it every time. The reason I go through it is because of the 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 fruit that I get at the at the end, which is of repeatability. If it is repeatable, suddenly your future pain goes down, right? And because everything that I've done is repeatable, things are okay. Now, because I'm following following these principles, things are easy for me to manage. If you don't follow these principles, if you are a person who is, you know, cutting down the VMs on your own, going into the VM, doing oh. sudo apt install MySQL, for example, or Postgres, for example, then no, then don't do yeah. it. Every service that I run is dockerized, every service. So even our Git is running on a Docker inside a VM, which runs on the service center. Right. Even our Docker repository runs on a Docker repo. Uh, the dark side of it, right? It, it, it's not all green. Yes, there are more management issues. But yeah, if you can do it, do it. If you can't, and if you think that it's going to take away more than it's going to give you back, then don't do it. Yep. How do you foresee it? The calculation uh, of how much cost are you going to save versus how much CAPEX are you going to incur right now? Uh, how easy was it, uh, the decision? To move, I mean, did you have to take a very hard leap of faith? Um, like, were you scared in the beginning? Um, in the beginning, see, it was an experiment. If it worked, it worked. If it failed, it failed. Luckily, we had the building blocks with us. We had the few free desktop machines lying with us. Yeah, all of them were Ryzen five or Ryzen seven. Each of them had eight to twelve cores, and one of them had sixteen cores. So we had semi-powerful machines for for that time, right? And we connected them them up with LAN wires, and uh, suddenly we had a cluster running on it on 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 this thing called Proxmox. Mm-hmm. So we had an we had a test bed with us, and we could see okay, will this work or not? Was something we could experiment in our office itself. So a lot of the learnings happened in the office. We started using it for our Kubernetes cluster. It actually worked. Right. This, this was all like a one week experiment, and when it worked, that is when our heads turned. That is when we said, okay, maybe we can do something more out of it. That is when I did a little more research with a few of my friends. How do you host stuff? Is this something where you can save money? Okay, so so the takeaway for me is that you did a POC. Uh, It it was not that you went all in with a lot Uh of... This this one like, let's spend a lakh and yeah, it'll work. Or let's spend three lakh. It was a very, very gradual thing. It happened over months. We, We did something. We stuck with it for a month. Working fine, great. 
then we saw thought okay let's buy a small server rack for the office we have actually bought a server rack for 20k or 30k for the office where we put mm-hmm. all the, when we d- dumped all the desktop machines uh, then i have a video on youtube on what is the best way to stick a motherboard on a rack because the desktop machines take too much space we actually took the motherboard out took the smps out uh, and uh, wired everything together which tape is the best to stick a motherboard on a metal plate is the research that we had to do <laughs> oh, i would i would link the video somewhere up uh, yeah. you can find the link so those those uh-huh. are good learnings yeah those are learnings don't help us now because now we have a proper server uh, at, so that again to so that was at a time we couldn't afford a server 1 lakh was too big of an expense for us hmm not 1 lakh probably 2 lakh 2 lakh plus the cost of ssd so it comes to around 3 lakh at that time we, we couldn't spend rupees 3 lakh on yeah. this when we didn't know the benefits out of it. it that that would have been a too too big of a risk to spend then later when we knew ki okay doing it like this will definitely save a lot more than 3 lakh then that is the point we felt confident okay now let us spend 3 lakh on it then we spent on it got the server things became easier did everything in office then we realized okay nahi eh running having a lease line to office quality is not good we need a data so then yeah. we shifted data center and since then we haven't looked back and right now you are playing that role of uh, being a sysad for this whole uh, right now i'm playing the role of being a sysad i think even if you scale up right you were talking about uh, maybe 100 or 200 developers which is quite far given that you are at five developers right now yeah um uh, wouldn't it be a lot cheaper to just hire a few folks who are extremely good sysads and pay them salary but all of this is managed and that's going to be net positive with respect to the cloud costs see that's definitely that's definitely one thought we will definitely try to do that first the thing is this is not our core business yeah that's one very important thing to keep in uh, mind right uh, we can't delve too deep into it forgetting as uh, our business is actually creating metaverse experiences this is all sidelined right but uh, you know not not exactly right because this is a classic build versus buy decision and if there is financial uh, sense into it um yeah you have to spend some bandwidth because if you have a team of let's say three or four sysads overseeing this then um there has to be some management bandwidth that goes into managing them etc so that is the cost that you have to pay apart from the money um but it is a classic build versus buy decision and if like companies and giants like flipkart is sticking to it dropbox moved away from s3 and they saved most like 100 billion that's what i'm aware of most large companies do it but right. at a small scale you're saying whether uh, it is small scale i haven't seen a lot of people doing it i think whoever i've told to has cursed me what are you doing why are you wasting your time <laughs> how did this play out in the covid uh, times because if everything was on desktops and then people suddenly stopped coming to the office hmm. uh, they were no longer connected to your lan uh, how did that uh, experience go like did you have to get a static public ip and then expose everything over a vpn uh or how so we were very lucky in that sense just before covid i think we had shifted everything to uh, the data center oh wow right and uh, the reason for the shift was not covid or something the reason for the shift was qa right uh, it it was basically making sure the internet connectivity to mm-hmm. our services internet is not the reason we are not, not able to connect to our service that mm-hmm. was the reason okay because no matter what we did even though we had a lease line so we had an office in kasturi nagar everything was being dug up everywhere in bangalore yaar yeah. matlab the lease line used to get cut every month 
ఇంటర్నెట్కి money we were paying as internet bill and the money we were paying as a power bill our <laughs> rent is less than that this completes the first part of this podcast where we discuss the self hosting journey of gmetry next week in the second part of this podcast we discuss the software challenges that gmetry faced in the metaverse space which was quite early in 2017 when gmetry started thank you to 10x eng for sponsoring this video they are building a solution to make the alerting and monitoring more automated easy and centralized do subscribe to the channel if you like the content see you